You know, a lot of people want to know if the vaccine has anything to do with the mark of the beast. Wow, that's a heavy-duty thought. I'm going to talk to you about that in just a moment, but first I want to welcome you back to the Prophetic Angle. This is Pastor Rick Bowen, and I haven't done a podcast in a while. I need to do them more often. I know it, you know it, and I'm sure... God knows it, and of course, um, there's going to come a time when I'm going to be, hopefully, very regular with my uh, podcasts and my videos. I might point out to you that one of the things that has provoked this particular podcast episode today is I had a flurry of spontaneous, inspirational thoughts that I shared on Telegram. So I encourage you to find me on Telegram, to get on Telegram first, and to find me on Telegram. You know my name, Rick Bowen, but my my channel is called The Prophetic Angle, like it is on every platform. That's the name of my channel. And I had this flurry of inspiration, inspirational thoughts that I shared. I dropped them. And I got to wonder, I wonder how many people are seeing this, and some of these things I need to expand or elaborate on. And of course, I had a response that said, would you please do a podcast on this particular topic? So I'm going to do that. And uh, I want to welcome you back to the Prophetic Angle podcast on your podcast platform. And I'm on seven, I think, seven different platforms. But remember, Telegram is another place you can find uh, some writing uh, that I do or posts that I do uh, through the day. Sometimes I share posts from other people, and these are posts you will not find for the most part on Facebook because my days on Facebook, I've always said here in the last few months, have been limited. Uh, If I put something on Facebook and it's even approaching controversy... It's shadow banned, and there's no sense in even wasting my time. So I'm trying to encourage people that want to hear free speech from me pertaining to last day events, the prophetic angle, come find me on Telegram. That's one way you can read frequent posts and repost by others in commentary on what they say. And you can see that pretty much every day it if not uh, through the week. Okay, so we're talking about the mark of the beast, and I started with the teaser saying, does the vaccine have anything to do with the mark of the beast? Well, let's just get away from that particular question for a moment and come at it from several directions. And let me point out to you, I will not be able to cover every facet of this topic in this probably 20-minute podcast. I will probably leave you with more questions than I do answers. Hopefully, I'll leave you with more answers than you had, but leave you with plenty of questions or loose ends that need to be tied up. And that'll give me an opportunity to come back with other podcasts and hopefully try to tie up some of those loose ends. At least that's the ones that I feel like I'm confident that I know what the loose ends are so that I can tie them up for you scripturally and with a little rationale and, of course, some discernment of the Holy Ghost. The way I want to approach this topic today about 
the mark of the beast and some of the things transpiring today that signal the approaching mark of the beast is this. A number of years ago, it seems that a lot of things came to my awareness, some of which I did not want to know. And when they did, through my own experience, my own observation, my own engagement, my own connections, my own prayer life, when those things came into the forefront of my knowledge, I was leery about some of them. I was somewhat skeptical. I mean, I've always been one over the decades of my salvation and ministry that knows about the time that there would be a mark of the beast. But remember, and some of you know this because you're old enough to know and relate, initially it was thought to be perhaps a tattoo in the forehead or the right hand. I mean, I even passed out tracks and had 666 branded in the noggin of the recipient, the poor victim, things of that nature. And then, uh, as time went on and the great eschatology writers speculated, and I believe that they had holy speculation because that's what readers of the Bible and followers of God have always done. They did it in antiquity before Jesus came the first time, trying to figure out what was going to happen based on the information they had. Now, sometimes they had a thus saith the Lord. That's an entirely different thing. And of course, you can see those diverse approaches, viewpoints in the Bible. You can see facets of prophecy that indicate there's a Messiah coming, and, but when he came, they missed it, you know. A lot of them missed it because they were looking for somebody else entirely. And so we have a similar situation today where we're looking for the Lord to come the second time. We're also looking for all these other things to happen. And people get up with their charts and their diagrams, and all those things are very entertaining and fascinating, and some of them are very informative. But then... There's always plenty of questions left over. So we're talking today about the mark of the beast. Okay, I remember a few years ago when certain knowledge uh, came to me that at first I considered it far out information. Not all of it, but just it just I just couldn't take it all in. And, you know, you, you need to be careful. The Bible said, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. That's one reason it's good to have a local church and a good pastor, a teacher, a prophet that you can, on your own volition, uh, connect with and uh, receive the deposits of the Holy Ghost in your life. Of course, it's up to you to study it out and to... Uh, learn it, and to apply it. Anyway, uh, these pieces of information came into my purview. And one of them had to do with the giants, the Nephilim of Genesis 6, which at the time I didn't know they were throughout the Old Testament. But 
I, I learned about the Nephilim and I learned about the different views on how the giants came to exist before and after the flood. Now, I'm not going to get into that here. We know that the ones in the flood were destroyed. And then there was the discussion about after the flood because there were giants in Canaan land when the Israelites got there. They had to run them out. Of course, everybody knows about Goliath, uh, Og, king of Bashan, and so on. And then the genetics of these uh, people, these part humans, was something that was corrupted. And God disdained it and destroyed it in the flood. But then the Israelites were told to dispossess the Canaanites, and there we, there we go again. And on and on with the Bible story, there's so much that we could, uh, if we start getting down into each of these topics, we'll never get back to what my point would be for this particular podcast. So hopefully you have heard me teach in the past and you have some idea of what I'm talking about. Now, one thing that came with the corruption pre-flood, which is called the antediluvian age, was the corruption of animals too. So the beasts of the field were corrupted. And a lot of people believe, those that believe in a younger earth, believe that that is when the dinosaurs existed. Now, we're not going to argue each point here. I'm just pointing out some things that are believed and may help explain some of the things that are seeming mysteries to us. But the dinosaurs, particularly the carnivorous dinosaurs like the T-Rex and so forth, they were corrupted creatures and they were destroyed in the flood according to this train of thought. It is a train of thought that when the fallen angels, the watcher angels fell and brought corruption and uh, nefarious technologies into the earthly realm and into human awareness that a lot of this gene editing took place. Now how it took place then as to their technology, fallen angel technology, I'm not going to get into trying to parse that. I want to bring you to after the flood, because that's where we are. And we're after Calvary. Here we are in the end time, the end of the aeon, or the end of the age, the end of the dispensation of the church, the end of the dispensation of grace. And we're posing the question, does the vaccine have anything to do with the mark of the beast? Well, I was in a store today, and passed by a book, because I always like to look at the book, especially the bestsellers, see what's, what's lately being written. Most of them are not, I'm not interested in, but I certainly see the titles, and some of them really catch my attention. And the one that caught my attention, big, thick book, a big, very in-depth book called The Code Breaker. So I have not read it. I'm going to say right away, I have not read it. But I did read the inside uh, leaf, you know, where a little blurb or excerpt of what the book is about is written. And then, of course, the reviews by P. 
people that give those. And then I scanned the book and looked at the title of the chapters. So at my first impression, my take was that this book was promoting and proclaiming and um, setting forth the reasons why gene editing is a good thing. So let's talk about what gene editing is first. Gene editing is where, hypothetically, someone could go in, actually realistically, it's not a hypothesis anymore, realistically, somebody can take the DNA of a human. And, and if I could just go back and say, in the creation, God made man on, on, man on the sixth day. And, you know, Adam and Eve, okay, that's a story. Then he made mankind different, human beings different from animals, okay? So, you know, human, I guess, technically is a mammal, but he is above the animal kingdom. That's God's intention. In intellect, in spirituality, in uh, ability, and probably in a much other ways. Okay? But below, a little bit below the angels. Okay? So the genetic makeup, I'll use the term genetics, of, a, of an angel, of a human, and of a, an animal is different. Okay? So that's one of the things that was corrupted prior to the flood. Now, since the flood... Man has always been trying to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Even though he was cast out of the garden, he's still trying to find a way to get into a realm of knowledge that's forbidden and a realm of knowledge that might be accessible but not coming the right way. That's one of the biggest problems mankind has. He's ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So, um, in recent years, and probably way before we realize it, these Einsteins that continuously study the intricacies of God's creation, even if they don't believe in God, they come up with ways to hypothetically and perhaps realistically improve the human plight. So that is what I believe the gist of this book is. And I know I haven't read it, so you might say, well, you're, you know, you don't know what you're talking about because I read the book. Well, I doubt you read it, but given that you did, I could be wrong about the person's motive for writing the book. But even if I am, my point's still going to be very well made. Because what happens with gene editing is you come face to face with a thing called ethics. Ethics. Basically, ethics is what is right, what is wrong. Ethics is something based on a value system. A value system has to be based on something. There's the Judeo Christian ethic, there's the Word of God, the Old Testament, the New Testament. That's where we get our value system. 
And so therefore, our consciousness of right and wrong comes from the Bible. Okay, but not everybody uses the Bible for their value system. Not every scientist, not every doctor, not every psychiatrist, not every psychologist, not every professional of expertise in any field uses the Bible as their value system. Therefore, whatever ethics they have will not necessarily and will not be, it won't be, it will not be biblical ethics. That means that when they come to the threshold of decision-making and there's a frontier and they are trying to do something that they call improving, then that's questionable at the very least. Now, you and I both know that that there's a lot of good things that have happened with uh, medical science, I guess I could say. And, I, and I'm not here, I don't have time to go, go into all of it, but just give you a few examples. Um, hearing aids, eyeglasses, um, contact lenses, a prosthesis that not only makes one look like they're whole, but can actually work, where a person that has no hand on one arm can actually have a, uh, a mechanical hand that can pick things up, you know, at, at their will. Um, a person that can, has no legs from the knee down can have extensions where that, they can actually run a race. They actually run races, you know, um, lung transplants, uh, liver transplants, heart transplants. And we could talk about each of these ad nauseum, but we're not going to do that. But now we're talking about getting into the DNA of a human being and altering the genetic makeup of that human being. Now, if you go back to Margaret Margaret Sangler, and uh, the originator of Planned Parenthood, who a lot of people believe was a racist and who wanted to participate or initiate or facilitate or perpetuate or exacerbate (laughs) um, eugenics, you know, create humans that are better than others and those that have flaws, get them out, edit them out of the the human uh, posterities, Um, like Hitler, you know, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, a white person. It, you know, I know I'm simplifying everything, but, you know, Hitler was trying to do away with the Jews, and I'm sure he was against the black race and so forth. And so he was trying to create the perfect race of humans. He was an evil man, and he was defeated. And of course, there's conjecture on that right now as to whether or not he was actually defeated. But, uh, this is this is what eugenics does. It's supposed to have the motive of supposedly improving the human race. So you take eugenics, and again, once the ethics, the proper ethics are removed or not there, then that pioneer crosses the frontier of decision-making where they determine... Somebody determines what is right and wrong, and somebody determines what is best, and somebody determines what is improvement. 
Okay, so you, you can kind of see where I'm headed now. And this happened before the flood. You know, not exactly the same thing, but it's happening now. And there's a whole effort called transhumanism that involves so many different things that, that we can't get into in this particular podcast. Because I'm already up to 20 minutes, so I'm going to try to go for 30 and, and then quit for now. Okay, so um, there is a kit called the CRISPR kit, and I believe that's an acronym. I don't know right off the top of my head what CRISPR stands for, but I understand that those are fairly easily accessible where a person can, and I may be exaggerating here, but hyperbolic uh, discourse uh, to make my point, but people can get a hold of these kits that have no business with them. And scientists use these kits or this CRISPR technology to get in this micro environment of the DNA of a human being and splice out, like you take a cassette tape, for instance, and splice out or edit. Now you don't do a cassette tape. You go in your uh, digital software and you can edit out um, video, you can edit out um, words, you can you can rearrange things to your liking so that you can present it to the public or whatever your motivation is. This type of thing would go on in the gene genes of humanity. Under the pretense of, for instance, finding the cancer gene and removing it, um, even planning the genetic makeup of your children. Um, you could talk about if there was a propensity in the fa family history to have a particular illness, um, to edit out that particular gene that would cause that. I mean, that sounds good, right? It sounds good because... Why would you want a child born with a deformity, for instance, if you could prevent it? Um, if science could prevent someone from being um, vulnerable to cancer, diabetes, heart failure. So these are some of the pretenses. You understand the ethical considerations. Well, we were going to improve humans, but what happens is when people start quote, playing God, is there's so many different boundaries that are drawn by God or that can be crossed in different areas that the person with the wrong value system will probably cross those value, uh, boundaries. All right. Okay, so... I don't want to make this overly simplified and conflate things that have no connection or no relationship, but I'm trying to make a point in a short period of time. And we pose the question, does the vaccination have anything to do with the mark of the beast? Well, first of all, I don't believe the vaccination is the mark of the beast. So I want to answer that question. If you've come this far, uh, I don't believe that this vaccination, whatever stripe, whatever brand, 
is the mark of the beast. Whether I believe in the vaccination or not is another issue altogether. I'm personally not taking the vaccination. But from what I'm hearing, the um, effort to make this vaccination, and again, a lot of people say don't even call it a vaccination because it is not a traditional vaccination. But remember, the reason I'm bringing you this information is because of this book. Because in this book, some of the chapters are devoted to uh, CRISPR technology, gene editing, and other things pertaining to transhumanism and supposedly improving the human uh, human being, um, removing sickness, um, making a person stronger, able to jump higher, run faster, see further, hear better from the get-go, uh, and the genetics. Basically, the idea is, especially one that believes in evolution as espoused by Charles Darwin, they, uh, these, some of these transhumanists believe it's, they've actually made it a religion. If we can get into the evolutionary process that has taken, in their view now, in their view, millions and billions of years for, and, and I'm going to say it really crudely, for a salamander to crawl out of the ocean after having been an amoeba, you know, climb a tree, become a monkey, jump out of the tree and shave and become a man, you know. And I know I'm being, I'm, I'm scoffing in a sense. I don't want to use the word scoffing, but I'm mocking. I'm mocking the people that have this kind of belief system. But they believe this type of thing happened, this improvement happened. They call it evolution over millions of years, millions of years. So the philosophy of the transhumanism humanist is get into the science and accelerate quantum acceleration of that evolutionary process. So if we are going to, because they don't, you know, they don't believe in a God or if they believe in a different God, if we're going to improve and it's going to take us another million years to get better, then why not go ahead and get in there and help that process since we have the science to do it? So that's, you know, oversimplifying it, but that's part of the rationale. So they have come up with all kind of ways to do that, and one of them is gene editing. So to wrap this up, because if I don't stop somewhere, I won't. To wrap this up, I do believe that this control of the coronavirus and the vaccine is a precursor to show the human population what the mark will be like. Now, precursor, I'm, I'm kind of pounding my counter here, so hopefully that didn't disturb you too much. What, what will that lead to? When will that come? Well, it could come sooner rather than later, but I believe it'll be later. Um, right now, though, a lot of people have uh, been led to believe that this is a helpful thing. And hopefully, you know, the placebos, because the, the whole point is it's a test. It's, it's an experiment. The FDA has not approved it. 
So they are experimenting. Now, those that mean well, because I believe there are people that mean well, their intention is we're going to try to help keep people from getting the coronavirus or at least mitigate their symptoms. Now, there's so much data and statistics out there now that's easy to shoot down whether or not that's even a viable option or not, okay? So there are those that, that, that believe that. They mean well. The ones that take it, they mean well. They're t- I'm doing my part. I want to be safe. I don't, you know, uh, I wanna, don't want to lose my job. You know, there are all these different ways of thinking. But if you have done any study on what it is, it is an uh, effort to create a different kind of vaccine. And this is what's in this Codebreaker book. So it actually deals with the traditional vaccine. And I think there's three or four chapters on different kinds of vaccines. And one of them is on the mRNA or the messenger RNA vaccine, which this one is supposed to be if you got that one. You probably don't even know which. You might have got one that was just a placebo. Praise God, that'd be great. Or maybe you got one that has lesser of whatever and, you know, praise God, that's, or maybe you got the thing and, you know, God's protecting you and that's great. Praise God. Because of your intentions and you're covered by the blood. Hope, I hope that's the case. Uh, anyway, back to what I said, I don't believe this is the mark of the beast, but I, I, I believe it shows us how the mark of the beast can be given. And uh, I can't answer all the questions in this podcast about the right hand, the forehead, and so forth. But as you can see, I am pointing out that it's not just, and I don't believe it is, a tattoo uh, in the forehead or the right hand. I don't believe it's that. And uh, there's so many other facets of this, I'm going to have to save it to, to part two. And I think in part two, I'm going to deal, and it may take me a, a week to get to it, so don't... Uh, don't rush me. <laughs> or maybe go ahead and give me a nudge. I don't mind. Um, but I'm going to talk about Dr. Fauci and some mind-blowing things that I have come to find out about his particular efforts in this area that I think are very interesting. Um, as I close out this one, though, suffice it to say that There is definitely, in science, especially in transhumanism, an effort to not just uh, provide human beings with prostheses or transplants or certain things to enhance their ability to hear or see or mobilize or whatever, uh, to make them healthier like a pacemaker to regulate their heart. Um, Now they are actually going into the gene pool. They're going into, um, yeah, they're going into creating children through, uh, you know, artificial insemination, intro, you know, all these terms. I'm going to get my tongue tied up here, but in the test tube, um, 
then planting the, you know, infant in the womb of the mother that's going to bear the child, give birth, um, that would not have certain diseases or have certain capacities that they wouldn't have had if it hadn't been a human being playing God that enters into the process. Yeah, these things are going on. So just because we don't see them every day or the mainstream media doesn't tell us about them, but we do know that the vaccine was a rush job to try to get this out for various motivations by various people, and uh, including uh, seemingly including President Trump, and I and I'll have a I'm going to have a podcast on that because you may well wonder why he was involved or what is going on with that. So I think I have some answers that will help you there because there's part of it that that I'm having a little hard time with still. Uh, on that, but I, I think that I can help you there. That that might be part three. So let me find a way to close here and say that the the part about the beast is, I believe, where one of those things is the changing of the genetic makeup of a human being, where that human being may not even be a human anymore. Can you go that far, Pastor Rick? Well, apparently it happened before the flood. Apparently it happened after the flood. And so, yeah, if there's forbidden technology, forbidden knowledge, if there's knowledge of good and evil available, if there's portals into the spirit realm where human beings transverse and angels or, you know, created angels fall, then, yeah, I do believe that the genetic makeup of the human can be changed to where it's not even the creation that God made. Now, that's scary when you think about it. But if you have no ethics, where do you stop? So, you know, you can make it sound good. Well, I'm just going to go and cut out that cancer gene if you can find it. You know, that's provided you can find it. But while I'm in there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to move this around and uh, this, this human being is going to be a super soldier. You know, right now the intelligence of the militaries of, of China, I don't doubt the United States, Russia, these advanced countries, they are experimenting and trying to create ways to have warfare and one of those things is to have a super soldier, you know, kind of like, uh, what is it, the Terminator? <laughs> um, so some of these things you see in science fiction, they, they're they not necessarily fiction. I mean, uh, the reality is sometimes stranger. The truth is sometimes stranger than, than fiction. And uh, if there weren't these imaginations to have these science fiction programs... Uh, where do you think those imaginations came from? They're in human minds, and there are mad scientists that are out there doing all kinds of things. And that kind of segues into what I'm going to say in the part two, which will be hopefully in a few days. But number one, it's not the mark. But number two, I believe the effort 
is a precursor of the mark. And number three, it does involve, at least if it's successful, it involves things that could alter and change the makeup of a human. Now, the pretense, of course, is to have the antibodies spawn that would help that human being from catching a particular virus. Okay, that's where I'm going to stop for now. But uh, as you can see, the mark of the beast, whenever it does come, it's not as simple as we made it. It's very complex. It's very profound. But it actually, those that actually wind up taking the mark, which I said, this is not it. I'm not saying you should take this because I personally am not and don't believe it's the best thing to do. But those that wind up taking the mark later, I think more is going to happen to them than just having the ability to buy or sell. And uh, to close this out, that's the reason I believe that they will not be able to be saved. That's, that's one of the explanations of them sealing their fate in the end time. So hopefully this has helped you. And let's pray. Father, there is so much deception in the world. And you said in 2 Thessalonians through the Apostle Paul that when men don't love the truth, you send them a strong delusion that they might believe a lie and be damned because they receive not the love of the truth. I thank you for these that listen to me and make it to the end of some of these podcasts because I believe they love truth. And so they're not going to be deceived because they're going to hold fast to that which is good after having proven all things. Give them discerning minds and cleanse them and wash them in your blood today. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, the Church of God. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Talk to you next time on The Prophetic Angle.